0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. President Trump says he'll sign an executive order to stop the separation of children from parents who are caught illegally crossing the U.S. border with Mexico.
1: We're going to be signing an executive order. We're going to also count on Congress, obviously, but we are signing an executive order in a little while. We're going to keep families together, but we still have to maintain toughness or our country will be overrun.
0: That's a reversal of Trump's insistence that only Congress could end his policy of separating ch- families at the border. Joining me is David Beer, an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. David, immigration was key in Trump's rise to power, and it's central to his image. So can he just back down from the zero-tolerance policy without losing credibility with his base? Look, what's
2: really losing him credibility with the American people on this is that he has been saying for weeks, the only reason I'm doing this is because the law requires me to do this. I cannot back down from this. This is the requirements of the law. I have to separate these families, have to take away these children. And now he's saying, well, actually, we can make changes in order to prevent this from happening. So that's what's really going to cost him credibility. I don't think his base is is that concerned one way or the other about whether the, the children are separated or not. What well, concerns Those uh, individuals is whether or not these um, people are eligible for asylum and can apply through the legal process to stay in the United States. They want them removed immediately and, uh, you know, without without a process for them to apply to stay in the country.
0: Trump said that he's going to sign something that's somewhat preemptive and ultimately will be matched by legislation. Any ideas what he might be signing?
2: Well, reports are that he's considering uh, requiring the Department of Homeland Security to detain all children with their parents while at the same time they are being prosecuted by the Department of Justice. And um, it doesn't really address the problem fully because if any of those uh, parents are sentenced to prison time. They would uh, uh, be separated from their children, uh, of course, and those children would have to go into foster care and back in the exact same situation that we're at right now. Um, the other problem with it is that it, there is a court order that requires them to release children after 20 days. They cannot hold children in jails for more than three weeks, and we have said this uh, before, it's, it's a court requirement, and so there is not an opportunity for him to ultimately detain them long enough to go through this entire process. So his executive order won't work. I think he's trying to portray himself as fixing this problem that he created, but it's really not going to resolve the issue.
0: Uh, we have news from our Bloomberg DC team that about 25 House members are heading to the White House so there can be some type of perhaps public event. There are, the House Republicans said earlier today that they were going to go ahead with some immigration bills. Tell us about the various immigration bills and their chance of passage.
2: There's really two bills that are being uh, voted on probably tomorrow. And one is an extreme hard right bill that would slash legal immigration, that's legal immigration, by about 40%. Um, Overnight, it would kick uh, millions of people who have been waiting in line for the opportunity to come to this country legally uh, out of line and eliminate their applications entirely. Uh, It would provide some very limited temporary work status to the DREAMers. Uh, The alternative, on the other side, uh, is this compromise bill uh, that was a compromise between moderates in the Republican Party and uh, conservatives, and that bill would do a lot of the same things. It would cut uh, legal immigration uh, by more than a million over the next uh, two decades. It would provide some legalization for for mostly people who are in DACA, uh, those who were too. Old older uh, you know uh, uh, couldn't afford to apply for DACA will probably be left out of this uh, legislation and um, at the end of the day you're talking about again uh, banning nearly 3 million people who have waited in line for legal visas to come to the United States legally all of those people's applications would be canceled so it's really a compromise between the hard right and uh, conservatives but it's still a partisan bill And it's not something that uh, is likely to make its way through the Senate.
0: We have about a minute and a half here, David. Now, explain what what the position of the Senate is, the Republican and Democratic position of the Senate, if any of those bills happens to get to it.
2: Well, the Senate already debated this issue. And they had their own proposals. Many of them uh, were similar to the ones uh, that were suggested uh, right now that are coming up for a vote in the House. Uh, The one that's most similar to the hard right proposal only got 40 votes. It needed 60 votes in order to um, make it through the Senate. It only got 40 votes. Um, some of the other bipartisan bills in the Senate uh, received a majority of the senators, so more than 50, uh, but didn't get the 60% threshold. So the Senate, as far as they're concerned, tried to do something on this. They weren't able to do it. It's unlikely that they will do anything with these bills uh, if they make it through um the house.
0: Well, thanks David, we will keep uh, up to date with you on on what's happening in this issue that seems to be changing but doesn't look like there is any definite proposal on the, in the offing. That's David Beer, he's an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. FBI Director Christopher Wray stood by Special Counsel Robert Mueller on Monday as Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee asserted the Mueller investigation was tainted by anti-Trump bias from the start.
2: Senator, as I said to you last month and as I said before, I did not believe Special Counsel Mueller is on a witch hunt.
0: Inspector General Michael Horowitz also testified at the hearings, which were focused on his report that was critical of former FBI Director James Comey's investigation into Hillary Clinton's email. Joining me is Jimmy Garule, a professor at Notre Dame Law School. Jimmy, how did Ray do in defending the FBI against the findings of the Inspector General's report?
1: I think he was, uh, it was very straightforward. He was unequivocal in his support of, uh, of Bob Mueller. And I think, in in large part, because he knows uh, he knows Mueller. He's worked with him in the past. I think uh, he is well aware of his integrity and his honesty, and he believes that uh, that he's conducting this investigation in a proper manner.
0: There's been an extraordinary amount of attention paid to about a dozen anti-Trump text messages exchanged between an FBI agent and an FBI lawyer who were having an affair, perhaps because the texts are so concrete in a mass of ambiguity. Is it, has there been too much attention paid to this, or are these really troubling?
1: Well, they certainly create an appearance. Of impropriety. They, they create an appearance here of, of unfairness because of the anti-Trump sentiments that are included in these text messages, but at the same time the DOJ Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz concluded that there was no evidence, absolutely none, that this bias affected the decision-making in either the Hillary Clinton email uh, scandal investigation or the uh, investigation into possible collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign.
0: The Inspector General also testified on Tuesday at a joint hearing of the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees where the rhetoric seemed to be ramping up a bit. Do you think that he answered questions, particularly those raised by Republican uh, Trey Gowdy, who said that that anti-Trump mm-hmm. bias in the FBI couldn't be put aside?
1: Well, it's interesting with the, with the House Republicans. On the one hand, they praise the Inspector General in, in his report and findings regarding the anti-Trump bias. On the other hand, they criticize and attack the same Inspector General in the same report with respect to his findings that this, that, that there's no evidence that the, this bias had any effect in either the 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 Clinton investigation or the Trump campaign investigation. So it seems to me that the House Republicans can't have it both ways. I mean, either the inspector general did a good job, uh, th- these were uh, findings that were based on on concrete evidence, or not. I don't think you can have it both ways.
0: Do you see any long-term effects on the Mueller investigation of the IG's report or the testimony we heard?
1: Oh, well, there's there's no question about it. I, I think the the hearings here, uh, the, house, the the hearings held before the the House uh, gover, uh, Oversight Committee and the House Judiciary Committee, they, they're political in nature. I think the objective is is quite clear. This is an attempt to uh, to taint, to uh, undermine the credibility of the Mueller investigation. So therefore, once the investigation is concluded, whatever the findings are, if, if they again are, are negative, they they they, they uh, shed. Shed uh, bad light or look badly on on, on on Trump or members of the Trump administration, the the the, the, the Republican can claim, well, it was rigged. You know, this was corrupt. It was there was bias. So, so I think there's a, a long-term objective here that the House is uh, is trying to uh, to achieve and and, and move towards.
0: And what? But what we've seen in the past, which with everything that's come out, every new allegation, is that you have the Republicans on one side and the Democrats on another. It's very, very partisan. Yeah. Does yeah. it? Would anything change that in the future?
1: Well. I, th- I think perhaps, uh, depending upon the findings uh, of the of the Mueller investigation and the strength of the evidence to support those findings. I mean, if there if there's a smoking gun, you know, if there are are dog- Refuted regarding their credibility or or text messages or phone conversations, then it may be difficult for, for the Republicans to to claim that this is a witch hunt to claim that this is a tainted investigation.
0: Now we have it's about a week, almost a week since Paul Manafort was sent to prison. Uh, there's been no movement there. Did, do you think that uh, it was expected that something would happen quickly after he uh, was put behind bars?
1: Well, it, it's hard to say. You know, clearly, he he has not been willing to to cooperate up to this point, and again, he hasn't been in jail, and so perhaps the longer he he spends in in jail, I mean, that could influence his his decision. Uh, the other important event to keep in mind is that uh, the trial is scheduled for uh, his jury trial, Manafort's uh, jury trial, is scheduled for September of 2018. So that's not that, that far off. And so if he's going to agree to cooperate, he's going to have to make a decision relatively soon. He's only got a few months left to, before the trial begins.
0: Jimmy, explain how it's harder to prepare for trial when your client is in prison and you have to go see him all the time.
1: Well, it, it, it does create some obstacles. I mean, uh, you know, with respect to, you've got to take, you know, the, 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 the lawyer, the defense lawyer has to, has to take the time and to, to travel to the, the detention facility, has to bring all of the relevant files and documents and so on along with him or her. Uh, to, to brief and to discuss the trial and trial strategy, uh, with uh, the client. And, and certainly that's much more cumbersome than, than if uh, Manafort was, was at his home and, and they could meet in, in a much more informal setting, kind of at their leisure. And that's clearly not the case now.
0: Um we are we are always happy to have you on the show and uh, thanks so much. That's Jimmy Garula. He is a professor at Notre Dame Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and on bloomberg.com/podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.